Tom Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your T-Lo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your T-Lo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you, Lorenzo? First Wonderful. week of 2023. First podcast of the year. I know. We're full of caffeine and opinions. Yes, I'm ready. Lots of hopes and dreams for 2000. <laughs> yes, blah, 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 blah whatever. <laughs> um... <laughs> We uh, have a few things to discuss, one of which I got to say, I'm coming to it very reluctantly, believe it or not, but uh, Prince Harry. Well, listen, I go to 500 sites every day looking for stuff. It's all anybody's talking about. Everybody. Everybody's talking about. When we reviewed, we devoted two podcasts last month to their. Uh, uh, to Megan and Harry's docu series on Netflix, and we and every time we talk about them, I'm like, okay, we're done. We're gonna we're gonna just stop. I know. And um, I had no intention of talking about uh, Prince Harry's book, right? Um, because we don't really cover books, not really. Um, so I thought we were done. And then the promo tour started for this book, Spare, which comes out next week, and he started dropping like bombshells in these in these interviews. I I think these interviews actually haven't aired yet, but clips were being put out. Of course, yeah. And I was like, oh Jesus, we're in for another round of Harry talk. That that's that's it, another round. Um, well, uh, in some ways, I think this might be good to hash this whole thing out. Sans Megan, no Megan. There's no Megan in this conversation because this is not about her. This is entirely about but him. But he still happened. He still mentioned her. No, I know, understand, but she's not no, at the heart not, of this. Yeah, yeah. She's not making allegations. So you know, it's all in. In some ways, I feel like this could be a little illuminating about, especially to all those people who think that she's the problem. Because I mean, after all right, let's let's. Let's lay the groundwork first. We have, I'm doing a terrible job. First off, we aren't just talking about Harry today later in the podcast. And we are only going to talk about Harry, I swear, hopefully for about 10, or 10 minutes, huh. maybe, tops. Huh. Um, and then we're going to do a little movie stuff. Uh, we're a little behind on movie reviewing because, of course, the holidays came in. But uh, we saw The Menu, which is now on streaming. I believe it's, it? I believe it's on HBO Max. And um, we saw Babylon, and we have thoughts about both of those movies. Um, but we're going to do this Harry thing, because all of the... Okay, so Spare comes out next week. Uh, the Telegraph got a copy of the Spanish-language version of the book. I mean, <laughs> nobody oh my God. is allowed... Like, the, the security on this book is like Harry Potter-level security. Like, no, no bookstores have gotten copies yet. They're all getting their copies, like, on midnight, the night it goes oh on sale or whatever. God. But somehow, um, copies leaked. Not somehow. Well-planned leaks. I don't think so. This is not good for a book to have this many leaks coming out before it's hit publication. And, uh, I don't think so. I disagree, but anyway. I, I, Well, you are free to, but I don't believe this was something he planned. And I know damn well Penguin Random House wouldn't have wanted it. They wouldn't have wanted it. Anyway, so these leaks came out, and they've been coming out for the last couple of days as to what the book has in it. And I have to admit, I am shocked i am shocked at where he's gone in this and um i i didn't want to i didn't want to have another conversation about this but some of this touches on stuff that we've said all along about megan and harry and and in some ways, I feel like we can wrap this up. Like, hopefully, we can wrap this up on this conversation. No, because she's going to write a book. Well, we're not covering <laughs> that. I, I, and that's the thing about this whole thing is my sense is, of course, there's a frenzy surrounding this book. And, of course, it's going to sell like freaking crazy. Oh, my God. That but yeah. it's what I said at the end of Meghan and Harry. They keep coming back to these stories. There are diminishing returns on these stories until all, your entire brand is nothing but your complaints. Yeah, You have nothing to right. say except right. how you've been wronged. And when Meghan and Harry devote their attention to how the press has wronged them or how, um, say, a, a racist culture has mm. wronged them, those are larger questions though that that make what they're doing have some value to it. And uh, there's some of that in Harry's memoir, but really it's just about Harry settling scores mostly with his family, at least according to what's coming out so far. It's it's very petty stuff about, you know, calling Camilla the wicked stepmother and making fun of William's bald spot and... Um, <laughs> 
uh, uh, I don't know what lip gloss. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> you really want to get into the Megan, no, Megan, Megan stuff? Just the lip gloss made me laugh out loud. I'm not joking. I was reading it and uh, and I was like, what? I mean, I keep coming back to the same question: Are these two? Are they dumb, or are they delusional, or are they getting bad advice, or did they just or really a combination of all of the advice? really just want to blow it all up for as much money as they can get? Because so much of what he has said, or or it's coming out in this book, I'm like, there's no way this is, there's no way this is going to be good for you in the right. long run right. to to admit these things. Like, uh, sure, I mean, you get a couple pot shots in against your father, your stepmother, and your brother, right, right, right. but. What's the end goal here? There's and then he gives these interviews where he's like, I want my family back. And I <laughs> I am finally of the opinion, oh buddy. Yeah, I mean Seriously, you are on. just shoveling bullshit at this point. Well, here's the thing. You can't say you want your family back while you are publicly trashing them in the most humiliating manner. I don't know these people, I don't defend these people, but even I know those people are appalled by everything he wrote, not just the stuff he wrote about them. He wrote about how he lost his virginity. He wrote about his... Killing. His uh, dick. Well, we'll get into that. Well, he wrote about his dick being frostbitten at Kate and, and William's wedding. And it's just like, no. What? No. Oh I'm not God. offended by this. Right. I don't care. But, but it feels like a diary more than a book. family yeah. is appalled. Everything right. I know publicly <laughs> about that family, there's like no... And and Harry, of course, knows his family, so... Right. He knows this all, all of feels, it. Yeah. yeah, like, you're you're just throwing bombs while talking out of the other side of your mouth about how you want your family, but right. just own it. Look, I, I'll give Diana a lot of credit. By the time she gave that Panorama interview, she was, she was very done. clear yeah. that she wanted to blow it up. She wanted... She she wasn't going to be Queen of England. Fuck all of them. She was very clear about and that. And done and moved on. And, and then, even yeah. Megan, I will say, she's very clear about her own family. Like, look, they fucking trashed me. I'm done with those people. Right. Harry's doing this and at the same time saying he wants his brother and his father back. I'm like, what are you? Either you're an asshole or you're lying. He called or his, this is yeah, just your brand. Your brand is now this. It's just his way of maybe I know I don't know healing or whatever whatever That's that what is. Keeps, oh, I know. Yeah, healing with this twenty million dollar book deal know, and his hundred million dollar documentary. Here's the thing: uh, we've we've published two books. I know how publishers work. I know how the whole industry works before you get a, pub, a book published. Right. And things are pushed. Things are kind. You know, you kind of push to write a book in a certain way. I mean, I'm not defending him. I'm just saying that. Right. You know, I'm sure that he had people around him tell him, well, if you drop these things, you know, the book is going to sell more. And then, you know, the book was going to sell no matter what he Right. But I, when he announced the book, I thought it was going to be a little more deep, a little more, I don't know, a, more factual. About his journey and his Or something a little more. I don't know. But, but it just looks like gossip nothing but gossip nasty ass gossip uh, uh, too. just just dirty shit from you you know that happened in your family that yeah. it, it it just looks very it just feels very dirty to me the whole thing it does it um, feels very tawdry and, and I, I am not of the opinion that 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 family needs to be protected right. at all i just think you know this is i mean um, not gonna go well for and you some of the stuff i i question why is why is even in the book i mean i uh one of our readers, hi Lisa, if you're listening, uh, I thought I, I'm. I was reading the comments, and she said something. And I was like, "This is dead on." She said, "You know, some of this stuff uh, sounds like stuff he should be telling a therapist, and it's true. It's right. true, and he isn't therapist, so I <clears throat> right. don't understand why nobody's well, stopping him. It's stuff you know? that is cringeworthy in a way. I mean, right. even if you like to read stuff like that, but it, you you. You, you read all these quotes, all these bombs, you know, they're talking about. I mean, you question every one of them, like the lip gloss, for example. I right, thought tell it was the lip gloss story. You're lip, dying. No, too. the lip gloss that the Megan apparently didn't have a lip gloss. I don't know how, but it she was didn't. at their first public event with the yeah. four of them, which we covered. <laughs> and um, we did. Why are you laughing? I'm just laughing. There. Why would you even put that in the book? But anyway. Well, yeah, okay. Let's the two Megan stories that have come out in the book. The two of us were like, what the fuck? Did you think this sounded good? Uh -huh. The first is that before their first engagement as the four of them, which I can't remember where they went, it was, I think, to talk about mental health or whatever. Um, I could tell you what they were wearing. That's how screwed <laughs> I up. Know, I my, know, I Because I can see it in my mind's eye. But anyway, before they walked out on stage or whatever, she asked Kate for lip gloss, which, <laughs> again, 
I don't know Kate at all. But I wouldn't have to But I have anything. been covering her for long enough to know who the hell would ask that woman for lip anything. gloss. Anything. Anything. Anything personal. Like, they didn't really know each other that well at that right. point. And this is not some great crime, but it is very forward in a very American sort of way. And, and he said that. He says that. He, uh, he says that. It, 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 she felt it was very American. It was a very American thing to do. Or whatever. It is a very American thing um, to do. And, and then but it she, was also rude. First of all, why would you ask someone for their lip gloss? No, I would never do I that. I would not I, hand I, someone my no, lip gloss. Like, you, I don't have lip gloss, but I... Yeah, like but whatever. Like, like lip and, balm or yeah, whatever. Yeah, lip balm or whatever. Yeah. Uh, no. And then she apparently smeared something on her finger. That's the story. And then <laughs> Kate was horrified for the whole... <laughs> Thing. Oh my god! I just first of all, I think it's hilarious, and if it happened, I think it's hilarious. But anyway, uh, there's another Megan story too. I can't remember. Well, the 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 baby uh, head or what? Not baby, oh, but, yeah, yeah, like she had baby she, head. She or claimed, whatever. Um, Har- now this is Harry telling these stories. Uh, exactly. So, you know, exactly. Apparently, he thinks these make him his wife sound good. Um, where she joked with Kate again. They didn't really know each other all that well. <laughs> At all, to be honest. And Kate, I mean, even I am like, I don't think she's a very friendly or open sort of person. I don't think anybody in that family is. Um, But apparently Kate forgot something about the wedding or something. And uh, Megan made a joke about her having baby brain. Oh, baby brain, yeah. again, it's not a terrible thing. It's kind of a very American thing. But it's kind of not something you say to someone you don't know well. You don't, you don't, you don't claim to someone you don't know all that well that her mind is muddled because of pregnancy hormone. Like, it's just, it's I'm just, not, again, I'm not offended by these things. But when I hear them, I'm like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, of course that didn't go over well. It just go, And I don't understand why would you have that in the book? Because first of all, it's a very sexist, uh, you know, like, I don't know, thing to say. This is what I mean about them. Yeah. Not, they're in a so, bubble. They are delusional. So you think you're... I don't know, saying something funny here, or maybe you 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 saying something here so we can feel bad about Kate. But at the same time, this is not something that a woman should be saying to another woman. I don't know. I just think that that. I mean, unless, I've heard my sisters talk about baby uh, yes, brain, but, but among you, people they know. Exactly. If you know the person, yeah. you know, if it's your sister or someone in your family, then you joke about it, haha. But someone you just met, I they mean, didn't just. Oh, whatever. It. I like mean, you know. But even first, so, it was you know, early on in their knowing right. each other and. I just get the sense that um, they really threw Megan in at the family and said, here, accept her, accept everything about her. And then right. it became this huge issue when they started. Not, I, believe me, I believe that family is racist. I believe that mm-hmm. um, Megan was subjected to some really humiliating behavior on behalf of and that both of them have a lot of reason to be angry at the family. But that's not really so far what's coming out about the book. It's coming out about William's bald spot or William, right. you know, ripped just, my necklace when he pushed me. And it's just very tawdry. I just and if it really happened, I think it's the most naive thing to do. Hi, can I have your lip, lock, lip, lip gloss, please? Before we step out on a stage have, together. You, hey, hey, do you have some lip gloss? <laughs> I can't even imagine saying that to Kate, like that uptight woman. Yeah. No, I mean, seriously, no. Um... <laughs> But anyway, and even if that happened, it's funny, you know, it's a mistake you make, whatever. She misread her and and decided she needed lip gloss, whatever. But the fact that he put that in the book, I think that's the part that that I think it's ridiculous. The other thing I want to address is, and this came up in various things in the documentary, it came up when Megan was giving interviews earlier in the year to The Cut, and I forget who else she gave an interview to, where they say these things that are such obvious bullshit that I'm like, why are you? Why are you telling me this bullshit right. that now I have to question every single thing you're right. telling me? The one about Kate yeah. and William, yeah. uh, they were the ones that made me put the Nazi costume on. What? What? Yeah. Uh, That's nonsense. Even if they laughed at the costume and they thought it was a good idea, the fact that you're dragging them into this, you're just... Right. Just own that you did something right. dumb at he 20. Said, he said, it, the quote is that he phoned Willie and And they and thought Kate, it was hilarious. And they thought it was hilarious, blah, blah, blah. There's First no of reason all, to no. be telling that story Even except they did. To, to try and indict them in your own mistake. Yeah. And I, this is the kind of thing where I'm like, you say stuff like that. It's like when Megan says, oh, I, I didn't know I was supposed to curtsy or I didn't know what a walkabout was or I only wore neutral colors so I wouldn't, you know, stand out against the queen. All of that's BS and it's very easily checked BS and... 
Uh, so when you do this sort of thing, these sort of self-serving stories, and these stories always make you sound good mm-hmm. and the other people sound bad. Right. Uh, it makes me quite like, all right, fine. I believe all of your anger. And I, be- I know how badly the press treated her. I know that family is racist. But now the two of you keep feeding these tall tales into your version of the story. And it just makes me question how much, all right, well, how much of this is true? Right. Um, because I, once you start inserting these tall tales, or you start inserting information that it's just there to be, like, why did you tell people you killed twenty five Taliban members? That's in the book, right? Why? I mean, that why that, is that in the book? That's a serious statement. Uh, that you know, uh, you just don't make it like that in a Listen, book. I again, mean, not here to defend the Taliban right. by no, any no, stretch of the imagination, but, but but that involves you, a lot of things. You have yeah. you spend an entire documentary talking about how you, know, you needed to protect your wife and your children, right. And your security issues and all this other stuff, and then you publish something where you talk about killing twenty five Taliban members. I mean. That's not going to make your wife and children safer. How the... Right, right. Why is that even in there? Right. I'm not shocked or appalled or offended by any of it. I'm just like, what... The only reason this is in here is the same reason the story about your frozen dick is in there. It's because (laughs) you're just trying to sell copies and you're sort of whoring out every aspect of your own life. Wait, I didn't read about the the frozen D. Uh, Why? Why did he even mention it? He was on some trip that, I don't know, he was somewhere where it was cold and then he had to show up at the wedding. Oh, I see. He had frostbite. He had a frostbitten (laughs) dick at Kate and William's wedding. (laughs) here's Why? the thing and all i can think oh is my, my god. god queen elizabeth never complain never explain the thing about never complain never explain of course it's very limiting and frustrating and i would not necessarily defend it as a rule for the royal family but elizabeth knew one thing right if you start complaining and explaining you will never be able to stop and this is where harry is right now it's like well where do you go from here like right it's just What's the next thing going to be? More complaints? Like, you keep... And then the complaints get more and more grandiose. William beat me up, and, you know... Right. And the thing is that he's he's putting uh, William in a a very... you know, well, he's doing that on purpose. On purpose, because I mean, it was clear by watching the the Netflix uh, documentary that they they have some serious issues, or at least Harry has. Anyway, the whole thing about you know, I did cocaine when I was seventeen. I mean, what the hell? That doesn't bother no, me. That's under- typical no, memoir stuff. All, th- yes, but it's the memoir of a royal member. Right, right, right. Uh, that's the issue here. The fa- the fact he also said that Harry and William urged the father not to marry uh, Camilla. Uh, Camilla. Yeah. I mean, like. William is, is going to be the king not not too far right. from from now you know it's like and you just drop this bomb here it's he just wants to damage yeah. the family yeah. as much as possible and again back when Diana was doing it she was pretty clear i just want to damage the family right. as much because as they, possible they screw me yeah up. they screwed me up and i'm i'm ready to blow it all up <laughs> and i that's part of why people respect right, her right 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 uh, you know but, yeah, but, but with but, Harriet, this yeah, whole thing different. about how he wants to be back together. No. Exactly. But that's my point. Yeah. It wasn't like Princess Diana was saying, oh, my God. I, need, I want my marriage back. I know. Whatever. I, I want to have a relationship again, you know, with my I want to have husband. more children with Charles or oh, some oh, bullshit so, like that. I know. I know. I know. It's just. She knew the writing on the wall. And the other thing is, Harry clearly, and he cites this apparently in the book uh, about how much. Oh, how about him driving through the tunnel where his mother was killed? Right. Like, right. Oh, when, my God. Yeah. He's clearly obsessed with his mother. And a lot of what he's done in the past several years of removing himself from royal life is modeled on, it's based right, on right, what his right. mother had right, done. Right, right, right. Um, I think he overestimated his own, uh, his mother was the most beloved photographed woman in the world at the right. time her marriage fell apart. She had that going for her and she utilized that um, on her way out the door. She utilized her insane popularity. Harry has never, Harry's always been a popular royal, but it has mm-hmm. never reached the levels that Diana did, and certainly Meghan is not. So yeah. he's throwing all these bombs without being as beloved a figure as he thought he was. Um, and I said this before, I said this when we talked about the Netflix thing. There, This is why I'm like so confused about what they're doing, because... Um, nothing he's doing is going to lead to a family reconciliation. And I don't say that because they're royals or because what family would reconcile after that? What family would reconcile with someone who's publicly humiliating them while asking for reconciliation? So, okay, that's not happening. And 
you're only destroying whatever. I mean, the they are loathed in Great Britain. They are their their um popularity ratings have plummeted, and they're not likely to come back. So, what? What's the game here? What's the goal here? You're not going to get your family back. You're not going to change this institution. Absolutely not. No, never. You're going to be no. completely ousted from it like the Duke of Windsor. So what, and my my conclusion is the goal is simply to make money. The goal is to make money. And the thing is that he, he went on Good Morning America and said that, the, you know, there's always this competition between him and, and, and William. And it's clear. That's the whole thing here. And he also, you know, if you watch the documentary on Netflix, he you know he he talks about how the whole thing was to protect Megan. How are you protecting her with with shit like that? You know, like I, yeah, you're just yeah, putting I mean, like, more of a, yeah, a target on her. Yeah, back. instead of just like let it go, close the door on right. the thing. No, you keep opening little doors here and there, and then you know. My thing, my take is that they signed a bunch of uh, media deals when uh -huh. they moved to America because th they really did actually need money because he, they needed they weren't getting money and they need, they have tremendous security issues. And I think there's a part of them that regrets what they signed on to because mm -hmm. they were already sort of backing away from the Netflix documentary. They had some problems with how it ended or whatever. And I have a feeling in the wake of the Queen's death, he didn't want to drop this many right. bombs. But of course, that's bad planning on your part because right. how did you not know the queen was going to die? The story is that they didn't like the way the uh, documentary on Netflix ended. You know, I guess with them happy with a big house. I mean, I right. guess that's not the message. Uh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, but that's how sometimes I think, I don't even know if it's the word is naive anymore, but but it's just like, they just don't expect certain things to happen or, or certain reactions. And right. you're like, really? Right. I mean, are you debt naive? They claim I mean, to have been on. so surprised that yeah, everyone focused things, on yeah. the Oprah interview about their what? skin color. Like, that's the stuff where I'm like, yeah, I think the two of you are just really into in into making a lot of money. I don't begrudge you any of this, but it seems to me that your whole plan is just we're going to make money by tr talking about how we were wronged over and over and over I again. Just, <clears throat> I mean, the documentary, I could even understand why they did it. Because, I could too. You know, because, I, right, because it's about the two of them, their relationship. There was a lot about settling them Settling a lot of information. Yeah, and, meeting and falling in love right. and all that stuff. There was a lot of that for the fans. I can understand why they did it. But this book, I, I mean, I'm trying to understand the reason behind this book except money and, and whine about his, right. you know. It's not, not going to make him look better to no. anyone who isn't already a fan of his. Right, right. It's not going to change anyone's mind about the monarchy. It's not going to answer anything or, or un, you know, make you understand a little better your issues with your brother. No, it's just like, well, this happened, you know, and this happened, and this happened, and then yeah, it's just whining. I'm just, I really am tired of talking about. Them. I know. I'm really tired of talking about. I wish them well. I know they've been through a lot, and I believe them when they, you know, say uh, talk about some of the things they've been subjected to. But um, oh my God, shut up. You're rich. <laughs> Shut up. You're rich and privileged, and just just I, go be rich. I think you have the right to speak, and 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 you know people say I do that too, people course. say that you know you write sometimes you write a book to you know I don't know close a chapter or whatever you know foreclosure or whatever, and I believe all that, but you need to move on at some point. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going. And as you said, I wasn't going to talk about the book when I saw the book, but then my God, it's been on every site. And yeah. it hasn't even been published right. yet <laughs> um everywhere yeah. everyone is talking about it uh and i just feel it the, the what pisses me off is that if the if the book was more focused on you maybe but then you drop these things about megan that you know it, it just doesn't look right mm -hmm. um did you ask her permission i guess you did you know i don't know it just feels weird that you just saying all this stuff about her and kate i mean how do you think they're going to react kate and william reading right. all this stuff of in course a book they're not going to react right. well to that if she could, if she reacted badly to being asked for her lip gloss, do you think she's gonna like having all her secrets? <laughs> all right, let's. Oh my wrap god! This up. Uh, uh, anything else to say about that? No, that I will never ask anyone for a lip gloss or lip balm or lip whatever. Okay. Um, <laughs> a lip anything. Uh, but you will ask for Bombas. Yes, that. Always. Winter is better with Bombas. They make thoughtfully designed clothes that make you feel cozy at home, supported during outdoor activities, and good knowing that for every item you purchase, they donate another to someone in need. Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the number one, two, and three most requested items in homeless shelters. That's why for every comfy item you purchase, Bombas do donates another comfy item to someone experiencing homelessness. Every item is seamless, tagless, and luxuriously soft 
Bombas are the clothes you'll want to cozy up in all winter long. They use the softest materials like merino wool, pima, cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them the perfect cozy wintertime layers. I have found them so helpful uh, because I I uh, wear my Bombas athletic socks to the gym, but when we had that bomb cold weather during the holidays i would come home from the gym shower and then immediately put on my bombas wool socks because they were i know perfectly cozy they are um their slippers are soft on the outside and even softer on the inside thanks to materials like fuzzy sherpa marina wool socks and t-shirts are ultra soft super breathable and never itchy making them perfect for winter workouts and cozy relaxing did i not just say that yes uh, are you a winter jogger, a skier, or snowboarder? Bombas makes temperature-regulating clothing so you can feel more comfortable doing what you love most. So go to bombas.com slash T-L-O and use code T-L-O for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash T-L-O and use code T-L-O at checkout. Thank you, Bombas. Okay. The Menu. Yeah. Director Mark Mylod, um, starring Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor, Joy Nicholas, Holt, Hong Chow, and a bunch of other. Uh, John Leguizamo was in it. Uh, Judith, Janet McTeer, right? Yeah. Judith Light has a part in yeah, it. Yeah. They're all great. Um, really fun, dark movie that I did feel never fully gelled completely for me in terms of what it was trying to say. But uh, you start. Go ahead. I love the movie. And that, in fact, I didn't want to watch it because I thought it was going to be worse than, you know. The, it's really not as bloody no, as No, I thought it was going to be. You sound. And you guys know me already about movies like that. So you were, you started, you, you said, I want to watch it. And I was like, fine, I'll be with my computer here. And I will just look every now and then, <laughs> look up every now and then see what's going on. But I absolutely love, 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 love the movie. Um, it's one of the movies that, uh, to me, it's like you just have to forget reality or, or anything real here and just enjoy the scenes. It felt very much like an Agatha uh, Christie movie, novel, whatever. Like, you know, they're like one of her books, they, they go to an island and all get killed. A little blah, blah, blah. bit. Um, and that, that sort of, of glass yeah. onions. Right. But not quite. That's not what the story... It's not a murder mystery. No, it's not. But it was in, in that sense that it's an isolated place right. where people gather and they face their issues or whatever. I, I thought that was pretty much like that. It, it felt... It, it's interesting that it's pretty much one set the whole time. Mostly, uh, yeah. And it's gorgeous. It, the movie's beautiful. I love the I way mean, if you don't know, the premise of the film is that um, a bunch of well-to-do guests go to an island for a dining experience with this master, world-famous chef. Ray mm-hmm. Fiennes plays the chef. Um, some of them have gone there before. Apparently, he does these experiences. They're extremely expensive. Um and, and shit happened. And, well, I mean, I don't think I'm giving anything away when I say that um, it's people start dying. Right. Uh, but it's not a murder mystery because it's very clear why they're dying and who's killing them. And I mean, it's all quite announced. Um, it is a satire of, uh, I believe, foodie culture. Right. But, uh, in a it's more in a broader angel. sense, it's a satire or it's a commentary on. Um, commodifying art when you force artists to jump through hoops for money uh, it, it tends to make them bitter and in this case murderous um, for because the type of people that do that commodify artwork that way are um, in you know philistines they are not people who appreciate art for art's sake they appreciate art that's expensive that they are told to appreciate. And I get that. That is what the film is skewering tremendously. But especially in Nicholas Holt's character, who is just eviscerated almost literally, it's just it, not literally, believe me, it's not that bloody a movie. It's, I mean, I will say the Agatha Christie comparison is a sound one from that perspective. It's about as bloody as your ag- average. Ag- right, right. I mean, there's no right. like no, entrails on like the floor. Horrible, yeah. No, 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 nothing like that. Um, but, uh, and it's funny. I mean, Hong Chow. Oh my Jesus God, Christ, Chow. she's so funny. We the, need to talk about her. The That woman's dry delivery. Mm-hmm. Nobody does it like she does it. Just dry as the Sahara Desert. And just painfully, painfully she funny. Is, she skewers the people that she's talking <clears throat> right. to. She is hysterical. 
hysterical. Yeah, she's is really good in so, it. So, so good. Um, I love her. I think she's amazing. She's never not been good. She's no. good in every single thing she does. Yes, she's great. Her lines are hysterical. Hysterical. I don't want to give anything away here, but there's a line about tortillas, tortillas that it's just, I, I actually got up and started laughing, like <laughs> dancing around the room here because I was like, this is so funny. Um, that's the thing I like about the movie. The movie is very much, you know, um, about the pretentiousness of the whole gastronomy yeah, yeah, yeah. industry or world that... People, you know, there's a critic. One of the guests, one of the diners, is a critic, uh, right? A, food, a, a critic. Food, food critic, and the language she uses, and it's played by Janet uh, McTeer. I mean, the language she uses is ridiculous. Yeah, and it's the kind of the thing you see or read in the New York Times about you know reviewing a restaurant or stuff like that. Right. So it's very interesting. But I think Ray Fiennes does a fantastic job explaining to you. The whole art part of the food, uh, you know, industry, and <laughs> mm-hmm. and and the whole thing about creating things. There's a very funny line that he says, like, you know, creating this art that you're gonna shit, <laughs> right? In a you know a few few hours in a few or hours, minutes. you're gonna shit it out. Yeah, stuff like that. But it's true. It's about, and it reminds me a little bit of the bear. We talked about the bear. The whole thing about creating that art, creating right. that. Um, and 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 I think there's a line also by Ray Fine's character that he talks about like the the stress of creating something and then you put it out there and and then you you judge you know people are going to eat that and and judge you and all that it's it's very interesting I think it some of his lines uh, are very interesting uh, very thoughtful I thought right um, and just or sometimes very very funny right. I mean the whole thing is funny I mean. All that, all those horrible things are happening, but you're laughing at the same uh, yeah. time because it's just funny. It's brutal and it's it's mean spirited, right. but it's and you know all the right people are being skewered. Having said that, uh, I don't feel like the message of the film c- gels as much as mm-hmm. it should. When you get to the end of it, it's, right. I don't really feel like why this happened is all that clear. Um, what pushed certain people to do. Right. And I, it's not so much Ray Fiennes and his, I, I think his his um, his motives are fairly clear. It's everybody else in that kitchen, including right. Hong Chao. Right, right, right. There's no Real explanation yeah. for why they all act like they're in a cult. And I guess that's a commentary on the cultish behavior of um, star chefs and, right, the, exactly. and the chefs that work for them. But it, it didn't really work for me. I kept waiting for for something, some sort of mm-hmm. something, actually. I don't know what I was waiting for. I, I wasn't explaining, waiting for it all to be explained, but I really thought there was going to be some other hook or some other twist or something. And it just sort of barreled towards a very inevitable ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I do but like- it's it's a fun movie. I mean, I give it a, a, a you know, I'm not going to give it, a, I hate giving letter grades. I always say I hate giving letter grades and then wind up giving them, and I'm not going to do it this well, time. There you go. But uh, it's a very good movie. It's a very enjoyable movie. I do think it suffers in the third act because it really right. doesn't wrap things up as well as it could have. I think if you just enjoy it for what it is and don't question it too much, I guess that's my take. I do. And my I'm advice. Sorry. Um it's beautifully shot. The way they shot the food is incredible, and mm-hmm. they explain the food. And again, it's hysterical sometimes. Um, the island is gorgeous. The uh, restaurant—I mean, everything—the set is beautiful. The lining. Anya um, Taylor Joy is great. Oh my she's god, basically she's basically the star good. of it. She's, yes, she's. It's really all told from her perspective. And there, I will say that, without giving anything away, her final interaction with Ray Fiennes regarding a cheeseburger. It was a light bulb going. It was mm-hmm. pretty close. It came pretty close to that moment that I was looking for that right, explained right, right, the whole right. thing. But then it lost a little. It, yeah, it did yeah. lose it a little. But uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's his problem. Mm-hmm. She, and she zeroed in on it. She actually figured out what his problem was. Um, and it was actually a great moment of connection where it did sort of explain a lot of things. But then the, the it just barrels off into a conclusion mm-hmm. that I'm just like, I don't, I don't know that. I'm sure the director and writer had it all in their head. I'm sure the actors all knew what they were doing. Uh, In fact, there's a moment at the very, very end with Judith Light where I'm like, I think she's playing an entire character in her head that is not on the script. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't want to give it away. Right. But she, she said it's actually her final word. And I'm like, wow, she has 
so much going on in her head that mm-hmm. we didn't get to see. Right. And I think that's probably true of a lot of the actors right. is that they were given backstories for their characters and but we weren't. I like those finance guys. Right, right, right. There, I still don't understand yeah. what the issue was with those guys. I know that there was ownership of the restaurant, corporate, but I still don't understand what the issue mm-hmm. was. Um, that's thought, all. Well, the movie's very short, right? It's an hour and a half. We're now at yeah, 40 an hour minutes. and 45. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a little longer, I guess. So those things have been. But it's explained. totally worth your time, even if you don't. I mean, uh, you might not even feel like it needs any further explanation. I loved it thought about it for several days actually can't stop laughing about the tortilla line i mean it's it's the tortilla line is a killer home chow my god yeah i don't under uh, oh my god she is amazing i don't understand why she does not get more attention for her work um like i don't think this role or this movie would really be awards consideration but maybe not. she gave a supporting actress oh my god she's amazing she I gave mean, a, a supporting actress nominee worthy performance and it's not even worth telling you what she says because you have to watch her saying it's all delivery, her delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah i mean it's just hysterical the look on her face yeah she says. the look of pure disdain i know it's just phenomenal she is awesome and um yeah watch it I agree. It, it's definitely a thumbs up from the two of us. All right, second it, movie, the one of the more controversial films of the last year is Babylon. Mm-hmm. Director Damien Chazelle, who also directed La La Land well, yeah, and First like Man and uh, Whiplash. Um, it's a look at 1920s Hollywood as it transitions from the silent era to the sound era. Um, it is... A wild film. It is an energetic film. It's a cocaine-fueled film. And it's a film that clearly has no real allegiance to historical accuracy. Yeah, and it's a very, very long movie. Um, it's a three-hour movie. Yeah. Um, now, I think the lack of historical accuracy has angered a lot of film critics and film historians. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I have to say, I... Did not like this film. I didn't love this film. Mm-hmm. I don't like Damien Chazelle's films, generally speaking. I hated First Man, and I thought La La Land was Just wildly okay. overrated. Yeah. Um, I think he is um, a film bro who has <laughs> lo- has lucked into some big directorial uh, uh, um, jobs. He's got a lot of flair to his directorial style, and I think it is a style that a lot of other film bros respond well to. And film bros are basically young white film critics, uh, male film critics, who tend to drive the conversation a lot. And they're the types of critics that, um, you know, would celebrate a film like this. But I am not a film bro. So I thought it was a lot of silly nonsense. I am not offended by it. I'm not angry at it. Well, I thought about this afterwards. The The film that I think you could compare it to most recently is Blonde. Mm-hmm. And that film made me angry. That film actually offended me. And the reason that... It, and it's, uh, it's very similar in tone where it takes a very modern look at and a sort of dirty look at... Um, classic Hollywood. Right. Um, but in Blonde's case, it it bastardizes a real woman's story right. and, and tore it apart and made it way more lascivious than it needed to be. And that is the story of Marilyn Monroe. Almost nobody in this film is playing a real person. They are playing some very thinly veiled versions mm-hmm. of... Um, uh, I think Jack... Brad Pitt's character, Jack Conrad, is a take on Ronald Coleman. And I, Margot Robbie's character, Nellie Leroy, is a take on Clara Bow. But a loose-as-hell take right. on Clara Bow. Um, nobody else is playing recognizable, you know. No, but they all play a, a, a part. Like the Asian actress and the the black singer, and not, not singer, musician. You know, that they, they all play that certain stereotype of what happened to them, you know. Uh, uh, Giovanna Depo yeah. plays Sidney Palmer, who is a uh, sort of a Louis Armstrong-style right. trumpeter. Uh, and I don't have the actress's uh, name. Lee Jun Lee, I guess. Uh, she plays um, an anime Wong sort of character. Um, but she's not playing, and uh, neither of them are playing. And that is actually one of my major complaints about the film, is that um, it brings in characters of color to sort of stand in for how disregarded those, right. those performers were. And then there's, they're completely disregarded. It was all about 
Margot Robbie and Brad yes. Pitt. Yes. And it was all it was all about the white good-looking film stars at the center of well, the story. Well, and also Diego Calva. Uh, to, a, to a lesser extent. Yeah. Um, but but I agree with you. It's like, all right, let me show you what happened to these people, but they really don't matter in the story type of thing. I I like the movie. I have to say that I like the movie. I think it's I'm flawed. surprised. I like the movie. I, did, I not, Again, another movie that I didn't want to watch, but he said, let's watch this. And I was like, sure, why not? Um, I Yeah, I, I kind of enjoy the whole Hollywood take you know on i agree the thing is with these movies it remind me of the other movie once upon a time in hollywood that kind of movies about hollywood are always like that they're uh, precious as fuck they man are, they really man. are they are and they're and some ridiculous the way they talk about yeah. i love movies obviously but the way they talk about themselves sometimes yes, i'm yes. like well, you're not the painting thing. the sistine chapel ceiling calm the hell down so i i thought i, I thought a lot about uh once upon a time in fact in uh, margo and 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 uh brad pitt and margo Robbie, they were in the movie right. um, in Once Upon a Time. It's just that type of Hollywood story, and then things get really, really wild and, and crazy that you like. He what was so the obsessed hell? with like, let's make it as wild. I mean, it yes, was like Caligula yes, yes, in Hollywood. Yes, yes. Um, and it just gets tired. The the I'm sure it's one of the most discussed things in all of the reviews of the film is that in the first three minutes, five minutes, he centers an elephant's asshole right on the I center know. of the screen and Ugh. then it shits all over the camera lens. Um, Ooh, can you imagine watching that in a the movie theater? And there's oh, a lot God. of that in there. There's, yeah. It's deliberate. There's there's vomiting, there's shitting, there's yeah. pissing, there's snot, there's drool, there's there, blood. There's a lot of that in the film. And it's just so boring. I'm like, this feels like some 14-year-old kid yeah, got a hold yeah. of a film camera yeah. and decided to make a movie. Like, oh, let's cover everybody in shit mm-hmm. and piss. And that's bold? That's, what, sassy? What do, I don't, you know, irreverent? It's boring to me. Oh, I, let's not forget Gene Smart playing the uh, movie uh, gossip or critic or whatever, you, however you want to describe your profession. But anyway, she's also... I think it, all these are interesting. Um, I guess if you don't know much about Hollywood and you watch this movie, you're like, oh, all right, well, I didn't know how that's how they made movies in the beginning, you know, you know, talk movies or whatever, you know, right. that, that that type of stuff. It is fascinating to, and it, and it, it's true because, I mean, it's everything ex- exaggerated, I think, but it, it, it's true to a certain extent that in 1920s, people were just like as... Doing all the things they do today, yeah, you know, like it, it, it well, was... and I guess that's part of what makes it so tiresome to me. Like, right. I guess, I guess it's shocking that people were doing coke a hundred years ago and, and, and sleeping with everybody and, and yeah, you know, getting uh, naked peeing on parties. each other. Yeah. And uh, I guess if you're really fucking naive, that's a shocking revelation right. to you, but it's tiresome to if that's the whole hook. The whole mm-hmm. hook is like, wow, they were just as wild a hundred years ago as we are today. Like, that is such a naive silly childish way right. of looking at history the movie is three hours long as you said and um and we talked about it that you even said uh you know every scene is it's at least five minutes longer than it needs longer to be. than it needs every to be. scene yeah, every scene and it's true um at some point you're like all right enough of this can right. we move on to something else and towards the end i thought it, the end was so silly to me the whole uh, thing was singing in the rain. Yeah, the whole thing because you know he references uh, singing in the rain, and but the whole montage towards the end, it was like this is who needs this? Right. I mean, who hasn't understood? Yeah, I mean, right. like, anyone can understand that this is what happened <laughs> to the movie industry. You know, right. like it's just weird and unnecessary. Again, unless you don't know anything about Hollywood or how the industry works, uh, I guess that's fascinating to you. But I think um, there's. Something to be said for the modernity of the way he tells the story. Um, um, I think it was Roger Ebert who used to say that people in period films always seem to act like they know they're in the past. They never oh. act like they're in a, a, their own oh, present. Interesting. So when you do things like the way he did it or the way, I don't know, Bridgerton does it or 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 Sofia Coppola did it with Marie Antoinette where you bring in the modern mm-hmm. Um uh, and they, it was just um, Corsage, Marie Kreutzer's yeah, 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 film that we, just, uh, that we just talked about for... She she does the same thing where I actually love the way she does it in Corsage where it's never discussed, it's never commented upon, but um, she does not remove modern touches from right. some of the um, 
like she's in castles in Europe and Austria and everything, and you can see exit signs in the background. Right, like and, they rented the the set, yeah, the yeah. spaces, and and they didn't remove yeah, anything. There's a telephone hanging on the wall right, at one right. point, and the, I mean it's very like lovingly framed. She wants you to see these touches of the modern, and you, we can talk about why that is. But I think in this case, in the case of Babylon, it does work well to. Um, to make it feel like these people are fully alive. Mm-hmm. They're not just images. Right. They're not a hundred year old, you know, they they are living in their moment and this is what their moment felt like to them. I didn't mind any of the modernity, like nothing, almost nothing that um, Margot Robbie wears is appropriate for no. a 1920s no. ingenue. Like nothing, the hairstyle, the shoes, the dresses, every but, bit of it. But it made sense to me. It made sense for her character yeah, as a yeah, total yeah, wild yeah, child. Yeah. So you can't really look at this film as a, it it does sort of get the broad strokes of the transition from from talk from silent to talkies. Uh, it the I do think the sequence of there's two sequences there's two production sequences. First is showing Margot Robbie shooting a scene, and actually at the same time uh, Brad Pitt is shooting a different scene for his film, and it's all it's silent. It's all right. being done outside, and I don't know if a lot of people kn- knew this that back in the day a lot of silent films were shot completely outside. Even the sets were constructed outside because you had full California sunlight. That was the best. That's way. crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah. they had this sequence where all of these various movies, and I do think it was a little over the top. I don't think. I don't think that sequence is entirely accurate in terms of they didn't have like horses and these 15 l- movies yeah, at the same they, time. Not a, but it was it, it did give you that sense. And then later there's a scene and again it's all extraordinarily exaggerated, but it did show the difficulties that ha- that came with mm. sound and yeah, how yes. that how, scene is oh my god. If you well, the one thing you can take away from that scene is go look at um at early talkies from like the late 20s to and early 30s and it puts that acting in uh, a lot of context because the acting ah, when you transition from talkies to sound i i think it took a couple years for the acting style to catch up for people to understand how to use their voice and and that sort of thing and the equipment vice versa right you know, like- so the acting suffered in like a four or five year period there and that that um that sequence in the film is very good at illustrating why even if it is ridiculously over the top the one thing that annoyed me in terms of historical inaccuracy was the uh scene with gene smart and brad pitt where she basically tells him that his career is over because he can't transition into sound and she's like a gossip columnist Mm -hmm. um and it's a, I mean, it's a great scene because it's freaking Gene Smart. The dialogue's I great. Know. It's, uh, you know, whatever. But I turned to you and I was like, nobody thought this way about film back then. Because she was like, in a hundred years when someone threads some film in a sprocket and you're, you're going to come alive again. And I'm like, yeah, no. In 1927, nobody, nobody thought these films were going to be around in a hundred years. This is why most of them aren't. Because nobody preserved those films. People in the earliest days of Hollywood did not see Hollywood as some art form. Some art form that needed that, to be preserved. No, or, yeah, no. Yeah. Nobody involved looked at it that way. Nobody right. involved thought it was going to be around in 100 years. I mean, maybe they did, but to them it was just something new that they could make a lot of money off of and figure out a new art form. It, but right. the way, and that was the only part that annoyed me because I don't care if they get little details like hair and stuff wrong, but that, and it was... A scene that was it's like a set piece sort of like here's where we're going to talk about the whole point of this movie right, and i'm right. like okay if that's the point of your movie it's just wrong right nobody in the 20s thought they were going to become legends for a hundred years you know nobody thought that way about what they were doing and if you are framing your whole story on that well then that's completely off i don't care about hairstyles right. or when you know dates or anything like that or, or changing the name for, of clara but whatever but when you your whole philosophy of film is completely ahistorical it's right. completely wrong well that's why i felt that towards the end the director kind of lost me because it's pretty much just his love his just uh, adoration you know for movies right. and, and then you st- it's like an oscar reel yeah it, it, it's yeah. like this montage at the oscars and i'm and like, like don't we get this every year we know this yeah you know, we, we know don't this. need to watch this to understand the evolution of the movie industry you right. know you just don't need this i'm time to just end here 
but I did enjoy a lot of things. I thought Margot Robbie was amazing. She's it. always good. My God, Margot Robbie is just amazing. Always, yeah. always, always. She's funny and she's just live and yeah, all these she's energy. Full of life, yeah. Oh my God. In the first scene when they're having the party slash orgy, I mean, yeah. she is like bouncing off the wall. She's yeah. crazy performance. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt to me is it's like a George Clooney kind of performance. You know, he just reads the lines to me. Well, I mean, he just Brad Pitt played at. a very Brad Pitt character. Yeah. He played just, a guy who is who knows he's good looking right, but right. is also kind of dim-witted and has been coasting on his looks and he's played that character like and, a million that, times well that's what he is in real life too anyway he's not a great actor um diego calva very uh, good actually so charming it really so, charming, so charming. kind of dumb role yes but he was very good it was a star making role yes actually. yeah he was so good i just you can't stop looking at him and he's you know yeah desire to succeed and he's just very intense and yeah. I, I loved his performance yeah so i liked all of that oh my god yes lee, lee june um lee i hope i'm pronouncing her name correctly is gorgeous and she's she is but stunning. just wholly I underutilized they, i know they didn't use her a lot but every time she's on screen she's just gorgeous like yeah. gave you that old hollywood uh glamour so yeah so some oh and gene smart my god gene smart and I know the line is not accurate or whatever, but when she's delivering the line, all I could think was like, my God, you lived all this. <laughs> like You understand right. what it is to have your career, you know, not that her career ended, but uh, you understand the process. You understand how things work in the industry. And she's amazing. So I, I'd watch it. I, I, it's not I a, can't really I, I recommend it. it. It's not, I don't, I, I love it. it. And because it's so long, mm -hmm. uh, I can't recommend it. There are parts of it that I liked. I'm not angry at it the way a lot of film critics and film historians might be. I think you can justify some of the creative decisions he made, even if they are childish or silly or just, you know, don't have a lot of artistic depth to them. But whatever. Uh, I didn't hate it, but I don't love it. Right. Um, it's, it's a sort of mid level failure to me it tried too much and i like i said i don't like damien chazelle's films i never have so it's just his stuff doesn't appeal to me his bombast his um he he gestures towards profundity and i don't think it actually he actually lands i don't think he's ever profound in his observations mm. i think his observations are always very basic and they come but they're presented to you right. as if it's something profound i i felt that way about first man i mm -hmm. was so angry at that movie by the end of it because right. i was like you tell this is bullshit and you're acting like it's freaking right. poetry uh, that, anyway, that's how I felt towards the end of this movie. It was like, this is so naive. Like, who who doesn't understand filmmaking. this? Yeah, who he, doesn't understand? He's that? young, but he's not a child, right, and right. this is like his fourth feature. So I would expect him to be a little bit more mature at this point. All right, that is it for this week. Yeah, uh, full of opinions, full of pith and vinegar, uh, and we will be <laughs> back next week yes. with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks. Until then, take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye bye. Bye.